Welcome to Great Stories in American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is about Marian Anderson, the voice of the century. Born in an integrated South Philadelphia neighborhood in 1902, Marian Anderson showed an early flair for singing. Her parents, however, could not afford formal lessons. John Anderson sold ice and coal at the Reading Terminal Market, while his wife Anna cleaned houses and took in laundry. From the age of six, Marian sang in the Union Baptist Church Choir, where she performed bass, alto, tenor, and soprano, earning her the nickname Baby Contralto. As word of her talent spread, churches all over the city began asking her to sing. Her father encouraged Marion to develop her truly stunning voice range and bought her a piano with his hard-earned savings. When Marion was just 10, her father died of a brain tumor and money got tighter than ever. Marion's financial need did not go unnoticed, however. The members of Union Baptist Church, led by choirmaster Alexander Robinson, raised enough funds for the prodigy to attend a year of music school when she was 17. However, when Marion tried to register at a Philadelphia academy, she was turned away. Anna Anderson refused to raise a fuss about the incident, telling Marion something else would work out. According to biographer Shirley P. Newman, no matter how many times she was offended for the fact she was a Negro, Marian Anderson rose above ignorance. She held her head high, wore her color proudly. Marian would say, The Lord isn't prejudiced. He gave this gift of singing to a Negro. When she wasn't practicing, Marian performed frequently in churches, clubs, halls, schools, and at private parties, earning a fairly good income. One performance in Virginia was attended by the famed black composer-musician R. Nathaniel Dett. You'll have many sacrifices to make, Dett told her afterward, in the tone of one artist counseling another. But even if your dreams never come true, the effort in itself is worthwhile. At the age of 23, Marion was chosen over 300 other candidates in a major competition in New York. As her prize, she had the privilege to sing with the Philharmonic Orchestra. Social realities tempered the positive reviews of her performance on August 26, 1925. She has a beautiful voice, said the papers. Too bad she's a Negro. She continued to sing in small venues, waiting for a big break to take her past obscurity to greater opportunities, but they never came. Marion and her voice instructor, Giuseppe Boghetti, agreed that Europe offered the best chance for her to make it big. In 1930, she made her continental debut in Berlin, followed by tours throughout Europe during the early 1930s, all of them successful. She also sang for royalty in England, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. The Finnish composer Sibelius was so taken with her, he wrote Solitude as a tribute to Miss Anderson. 
In the process of becoming a star in Europe's concert halls, Marian Anderson turned into a sophisticated and beautiful woman whose style European women copied. Marian got to visit the atheistic Soviet Union during her tour of Europe, and officials told her not to perform anything religious. Nevertheless, she sang about the hope of God in their concert halls, once with Joseph Stalin in attendance. She said bluntly, They are the songs of my people. I shall sing them whenever and wherever I please. After her first recital in the USSR, people rushed to the stage and pounded on it, shouting, Deep River! Heaven! Heaven! She gave them their encore. Her first American performance in several years took place in December 1935 at Town Hall in New York. It was as triumphant as her first New York performance had been dismal, when a tiny audience did not hear the discouraged young singer at her best. The 1935 audience was much more appreciative, and afterward, the famous conductor Arturo Toscanini proclaimed a voice like hers was heard only once in a century. Although Miss Anderson had been restricted from appearing in many of America's largest musical arenas because of her race, she did not complain. She preferred to let her singing speak for her, to use it to help others overcome prejudice. In the most trying racial incident she ever encountered, she also discovered she had many friends who came to her defense. In mid-1938, when Howard University in Washington, D.C. invited her to sing, Constitution Hall, owned by the Daughters of the American Revolution, was the only place in the city large enough to accommodate the expected crowds. But when Miss Anderson's agent, Saul Horrock, tried to make reservations for the April 9, 1939 concert, he was informed the hall was reserved for that date. Horrock submitted other dates, but all were turned down. Finally, he asked another concertmaster to request the same dates and found that every one was available. Washington was at that time a segregated city where blacks and whites were not supposed to attend the same performances. Shockwaves pulsed through the music world, and several well-known artists canceled their appearances at the hall. Violinist Joshua Heifetz remarked, I am ashamed to play at Constitution Hall. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt publicly revoked her membership from the DAR in her newspaper column, creating a major sensation. Other prominent women quit the DAR as well, and several local chapters lodged protests. The United States Department of the Interior offered to let Miss Anderson sing at an outdoor concert at the Lincoln Memorial on Easter Sunday. She reluctantly agreed. The affair had upset her, but like it or not, said her agent, she had become a symbol of her race. She appeared that day, nervous and determined, as Secretary of the Interior Harold Ickes introduced her to the audience of 75,000. Her voice rose like a benediction over her enraptured listeners in song after song. When the concert ended, 
The crisp spring air reverberated with stormy applause. Miss Anderson stepped to the microphone, saying, I am overwhelmed. I can't tell you what you have done for me today. I thank you from the bottom of my heart again and again. Kosti Vahanen remarked, God in his great wisdom opened the door to his most beautiful cathedral that glorious Easter Sunday. Four years later, in 1943, Secretary Ickes unveiled a mural of the event at the Department of the Interior. He said, Marian Anderson's voice and personality have come to be a symbol of the willing acceptance of the immortal truth that all men are created equal. The following day, she sang at Constitution Hall at the request of the DAR. Several other times she sang in Constitution Hall, including her farewell concert. Thank you for joining me for Great Stories in American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.